for the gang called Street Thunder. It is a day of vengeance. It's war in the streets. It's terror in the night. It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. They're not afraid to die. Any of them want to rip us apart, no matter what it costs. Assault on Precinct 13, rated R. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Sounds like some bad movie. All right, Mr. Wilson, are you with us? I am here, sir. And how are you? Tired. Tired. So tired. Oh, don't say that, because we're here to have. We're we're here to do movie sucktastic. Okay. And so, <laughs> this is Scott, and that's Joe. Tired one is Joey, and that's and, me. Uh, what? That's me. That's I'm, you. My name's Tired. And, and all right, come on, get some pep in you, because we are re- we are reviewing Assault on Precinct Thirteen. The 1976 John Carpenter oh. Assault on Precinct Thirteen. God, yes. Uh, yeah. Fuck the 2005 remake. Yeah, I'm having a little soda, just a little pick me up. Liter of cola. I don't want a large farva. I want a liter of cola. So I mean, this is this is a, this review is kind of like uh like a, it's just almost like a lazy episode because th- we we've both seen this film countless times in the past and we're really just reviewing it because we're uh, we're reviewing movies year by year and right. uh, currently being in 1976 uh, we're trying to hit the classics as you will sure that I, never that, that we never did in the past every once in a while I think you're gonna find that we're gonna throw in. A classic of some sort, you know, mm-hmm. like not that I'm I'm gonna say we're gonna review Rocky came out in 1976. I don't think I'm interested in doing that. No, but there, you know, we could have done Jaws in 1975 and we didn't. But I think there's going to be times like this, Assault on Precinct 13, absolute Carpenter classic. And, and, and I, I think it needs to be. I think it needs to be it. done. Yeah. I think we've talked about it in the past, but we never officially reviewed it. Yeah, we've always talked about about right. this. So yes. So so I mean, we're, we're just going to kind of give our own uh, opinions on it. Now, uh, the, the plot is extremely simple, and everybody already knows it. Uh, uh, there's a there's a gang that's preparing for a gang war uh, because one side massacred the other side, but that that all gets thrown up in the air when. Uh, 
a father kills the gang leader because he shot his kid at the ice cream. Oh, at the ice cream truck? Ice cream truck. And as they're and driving then, in, they're going... Okay, go ahead. I'm just finishing the, the, I'm just finishing the real quick capsule. Is, uh, he runs to a police station that's closing down, and that's the last night it's supposed to be open in the first place. And then a long siege takes place in which the gangs, the, the, almost like the Alamo, where these, these uh, bloodthirsty gangs uh, close in on the police station and try to kill everybody inside, specifically... The, the dummy father that that vigilante the the one the gang leader yeah um oh and then and there's a there's a famous prison guy involved too uh yeah napoleon wilson yes <laughs> very popular last name wilson I dig that name yeah yeah lieutenant you run this station like chicken night and turkey <laughs> that that line still how old is i like these are production uh, ads uh, advertisements for movies fantastic from years ago. Yeah, and like, I redid them actually because I because I got a 1080p copy of the movie finally. Ah. And and so I went back and redid them with our uh, with our official font, mm-hmm. or at least our official YouTube font, just for the hell of it. Um, well, one thing I found interesting when I was pulling the slides together for our little review show here, uh, um, all the movie posters were were pretty cool, but the Italian I believe it's the italian one it is for some reason they they they, they have a white cop <laughs> yeah <laughs> as the hero on the cover i'm like that's odd and it even has the shoulder holster thing so you know it's like supposed to be a cop right it's like, yeah that's no why 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 would they have a problem with the black lead being on the <laughs> just of course, the other po- the black guy wasn't on the other posters back then either. It was just you know, gangster right, right. straddling the city. But I think the point stands. Uh, no, there's no disputing it <laughs> whatsoever. I, I did notice, uh, you know, you, you rewatch movies like this. And uh, the, one of the things that always stood out is when they have the shot of him getting out of his house. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's a pretty nice fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like for, I mean I know he's a lieutenant and all that stuff, but I'm like, does he really make enough money to afford a house I, like that? I think the big reason for that was solely to show this is West LA. <laughs> now we're going to East LA. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and but I even like the father. I say, yeah, this is a bad neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. We're trying Did to get, get with the cops. No. Trying to get Nana out of this neighborhood. <laughs> Um, but we never, we never meet Nana. No, it's a probably a good thing. Well, listen, if you met Nana, Nana <laughs> no more Nana. <laughs> Nana ain't making that's it. That's true. That's true. The, the fact that Nana lives in this neighborhood and is still alive now, should be a testament. I, I feel like one thing I focus on in this film is I, I um, we, we both agree that John Carpenter's uh, quality of filmmaking kind of dropped off in the 90s. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I When I look back at films like this, I feel like he's one of those directors that really works better under a tight budget. Because then they, they don't... Like, it, like this whole film is written around empty, empty, empty expanses with a phone booth in the middle of it and like an old building... It's like you know, right. there's no there's zero cost, you know. It's a very low low budget, 
And I feel like the more money they threw at Carpenter later in the decades, the the less. I mean, there was, I, I think he had a sweet spot around Big Trouble Little China, but then after that, he just started writing with like, start just writing without a budget, and then I, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like it is something to create a process. I, that's all I'm saying. Uh, I agree with that. Um, I do. I can't prove it, but no, I, I just it's no. a feeling. Well, I mean, just look at all of his films. For the most part, a lot of them, for the most part, I think most of them have low budgets. Look at the fog. The fog. The, 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 big, the big, big monster of the film is a smoke machine and Christmas lights. Come on. <laughs> and it works. It works. This it film does. works. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and honestly, I think one of the reasons this film works is because it kills the kid. That's a crazy scene. That That is... That is still my. Fa- I need a T-shirt with that on it. That's what I need. You don't. I. <laughs> no, I really don't. You really don't. Um, I did. I did put it up as my as my um, icon on Facebook, and I'm, I'm waiting to see if I if I actually get taken down because of it. Oh my god. Um, well, <laughs> you know what's it's what's interesting. Um, when he uh, the lieutenant leaves his house, right, gets in his yeah. car, radios in. He's going back. Lieutenant and f- Ethan Bishop. Ethan Bishop. He's going back and forth, and because he's going over to the station, the precinct that is being uh, decommissioned. Uh, clo- decommissioned, dissolved, closed down, and they're relocating to another like ten blocks uh, downtown. Um, when he's having that conversation back and forth, and this is something that I always noticed, even as a kid, there's a car because it's a side shot where he's driving. There's a car that drives up. And like is looking into the open window. It's like, what's going on? And then he yeah, like, slows down and then he speeds up again. And I'm like, that's obviously not a part of the film. That's someone saying, shit, are they making a movie? And they just yeah, it, speeding up, slowing down, speeding up, slowing down, getting in the frame at least two or three times, if I remember correctly. And I can't find anything about it. What do you mean you can't find anything about it? Like... I don't hear anything in audio commentary. I don't. I haven't read anything. There, all right, there is an audio commentary. Yes. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. Uh, well, I was listening to the, like that scene, and I don't remember hearing anything about that car driving up. No, no, just in, just in general, John Carpenter does shitty audio commentaries. Oh yeah, yeah. He really he spends most of the time just pointing out like uh, like oh you can. Like when he when he breaks his arm in the the cell, right? He's like, oh, you know, that was like a broomstick. You know, it's like a really low budget. It's like, John, John, we knew it wasn't real. Stop beating yourself up over the budget. What? It's like he does this constantly. All the, he just picks out all the things like, oh, that doesn't look good. They're like, this is la- this is later spoiled Carpenter. Well, right. He's got budget and stuff. Looking back, so oh, we didn't do that right. So they, you did it fine. Shut up. <laughs> Self uh, self deprecating oh. Carpenter. Yeah. Well. um... Uh, the the funniest is the the audio commentary on the thing with Carpenter and Kurt Russell because Kurt Russell keeps prompting him to talk because he just like stops talking and Kurt's like hey uh, this scene here you're like doing a decent job and at one point they just say fuck it and start talking about little leagues that their kids are on <laughs> I was like what's going on here it's... I don't think I, I've never heard the commentary for the thing oh it you you. You have to just because it's there's some good stuff in there, but that then it just takes after like 45 minutes they're both bored. It's like ah, you know that your kid, how's he doing on the list? I'm not even I'm not even making that up. That's real. Wow. 
Yeah, and and you'll you'll notice it too. Where there'll be silence occur to be like, hey, this scene here, uh, John. Uh, what about uh, there was something going on with that, right? Yeah, they just they just gave up after the four, first forty five minutes, kind of like our show when Ca- we run long. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I mean, there was a a point in time. And I know we're reviewing this film, but if we're on the subject of it, I'll just mention it yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a point in time where I lived for audio commentaries. It's like, oh, we just got the new laser disc, blah blah blah. Or when we moved over to DVD, it's like, oh, let, let, let me check the audio commentary. And I still kind of listen to it, you know, not not nearly as much as I used to, but like maybe one in fifty movies I might listen to the audio commentary for. It's just, I don't know when it became uninteresting to me to listen to it, but it kind of has. Not having enough time to just watch movies even without commentary, I think, lends to it. I think you're right. I really do. I mean, I would love to just, you know, listen to commentaries and enjoy them, but... Yeah, I couldn't tell you the last audio commentary I listened to. Uh, Not not counting the videos I have where I superimposed... uh, an audio track of our of our show so i can listen to it while i watched a movie which <laughs> well, i do do yeah yeah you know what audio commentary i actually did listen to a little bit um very recently actually i got a blu-ray of the hitcher 1986 oh. hitcher right yeah and the audio commentary for that is actually very good it's with the director and i believe the Maybe the cinematographer. I forget. I, I feel like I've listened to part of that in the past. I feel so, like I have. So I think. Oh no no, go ahead. No, I'm saying I think the last audio commentary I listened to was parts of the audio commentary for Mimic. Oh God, yeah. Because he was he was he was shit talking the producer. Well, sure. Everything. He had every yeah. right to. Oh no no yes indeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, but this, this, I, isn't a this isn't a Christian Bale exploding on set. This is like, you know, he speaks the truth. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge Doors fan, the band, the, oh, the musical we group, The Doors. Well, hold on. I'm going somewhere. It actually <laughs> ties into The Hitcher. So there's a song called but Rider. Does tie, but does it tie into Assault and Precinct 13? Absolutely not. Okay, keep, continue. <laughs> uh, it's par for the course. Um but I'm a huge Doors fan, and there's a song that they do called Riders on the Storm, which the lyrics in there talk about a serial killer. And when I'm listening to the audio commentary for The Hitcher, they said that the movie the uh, is inspired by the song Riders on the Storm. That makes and I, sense. And I was like, I never really put two and two together uh, about that. Because, you know, The Doors, Jim Morrison with the... You know, the desert and uh, peyote and you know, all of that. And most of that movie takes place out in the desert. Mm-hmm. And it's inspired by the serial killer and Riders on the Storm. And Rucker Hauer's name in the film is John Ryder. Ryder. That's right. And R-Y-D-E-R, I was like, R-Y-D-E-R. R-Y-D-E-R. Right. And when, he, when I'm listening to the commentary and he just basically was like, oh, yeah, it's based on Riders on the Storm, John Ryder. You know, I was like, hold it just I had one of those blow your mind moments where it's like I never put the two together. Mm-hmm. So that's actually the last audio commentary that I listened to. That was only a couple months ago. Now the 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 one thing I really like about Assault and Precinct Thirteen, yes, is I think it the pacing I think is very well done. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what else I like about it? I mean, Carpenter does music for all of his films. I think the music it's pushes the tension very well. Oh, just yeah. I mean, just the scene where the father and daughter are, are driving, and you just have that low, like there's like. I can't even do it. Well, sure. It's like that low rumble. It's like almost a rumbling bass. Yeah. Uh, just well, just tells you, and and they 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 do it. I you know they different variations now in the big budget films, but yeah. uh, yeah. Well, what it, what, it really, what comes close to that, because there are scenes where, like, say they're just walking to the precinct where you feel that tension, where it's just like that high pitched, like you were talking about the low bass, but then they also have the high pitched, like the. And it just keeps kind of getting a little louder, a little louder, a little louder until you hit that almost climax well, of tension. Because because of rewatching this film, I've had the soundtrack to um, Escape from New York running through my head. Or L.A., actually. I don't know if it's the exact same one. but Because uh, oh. <laughs> I actually prefer Escape from L.A. I, you know what? I just had a conversation with someone recently where they said they, they prefer L.A over new york you know as a kid i never got into escape from new york and so watching it now i i don't have that kind of thrill but i, I don't know just something something appealed to me about it stacy keach was fun it was a fun movie and and i i knew enough about escape from new york right and i'd seen it you know i'd seen it at least once or so that i i was like oh this he just remade the whole movie this is even better now <laughs> <laughs> um it was really, i mean i am a purist I know New York is the better film. It's the one I grew up with as a kid. Yeah. I saw that movie a ton of times as a kid. I love Escape from L.A., but there's absolutely no way it's the better movie. Escape from L.A. has several flaws, but it also has several amazing set pieces, like like Kurt Russell doing the basketball thing, which he actually did. Right. You know, and it's just like... Uh, Bruce Campbell's cameo. What a lovely blue eye! <laughs> yeah, I just—it's a—it's fun. I enjoy it. More. Oh yeah, no. Listen, I saw it, Escape from L.A. in a theater. Oh yeah, uh, the end is great. Um, but the one thing that comes to mind about how uh, music or just sound is used to create tension mm-hmm. is the one thing that comes to mind that does it really well just like this is the scene in the dark night where batman is interrogating the joker where he's telling batman that he has to choose between dent or rachel mm-hmm. and you that it's it's prominent in the back of, of the background where it's just it's just there it's like a like a like a like a fly just buzzing around your ear, but it's high pitched and it's increasing the tension and he's being interrogated. He's getting the shit beat out of him, but it just isn't going anywhere. And it, the tension builds and builds and builds. Carpenter does that in this with the same yeah. effect. So I would, th- I would think that Nolan maybe borrowed a little from, from Carpenter well, when he was doing that. Cause you don't I mean, really they're, they're- hear it too much in films where the tension is built up with just a single high decibel pitch. I'm sure you could find other examples. But I'm sure it, you it, can. But it's a, it's a good it's an interesting correlation. It's um, it's what I thought of immediately rewatching and I, this. Yeah, and, and the thing is like it's so effective. I mean, cuz you could make fun of it and say, "Oh, it's just, you know, this sounds like a guy on a synthesizer." 
and it is a guy in a synthesizer. Uh, absolutely. But, 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 I mean... He got he, a better one for later films. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got the upgraded the set. But um, it would be great if, if synthesizers... Uh, you know, have, they have the, pre, the preset demo modes. If they had a preset carpenter demo mode. But since his mind is in the music... Uh, he, he's he's not just composing music; he's composing, you know, a part of the film. I it's, think. And I yeah, think he, I mean, it's that's it's, why he's so successful. I think so. I don't so. think you have because you don't have you don't have that many uh, directors doing their own music. I don't think anybody else did. You know, I really well, I don't. Mean, like, I mean, you get some that sing their own songs and stuff, but they're not like composers. So no, or musicians. As far as far as directors, com- you know, doing scores for their own films. I don't think anyone, I'd have to, as far as a successful director where he's given a real budget by a real studio and they're trusting the director, oh yeah, you can do the score. Sure, why not? That is almost unheard of. I don't think there is anybody else. Maybe Rob Zombie, but because he has a music background. Yeah, and, but, you know? he, and, and, but also the difference is like Rob Zombie like came into the film industry after succeeding in music. Yeah, and I think and Zombie do, does songs. I don't think he does the score. I, I don't, he'll I don't he'll know. add songs that he does to the movie, and I think that's kind of it. Um, but uh, what was I just saying? Rob Zombie. You were talking why about. I, why did Carp- I mention Rob Zombie? I Carp- mentioned Rob Zombie. You were talking about oh. him doing the music. I mean, part. I mean, part of it is like again, like Rob Zombie. Oh, I'm a famous musician now, and I'm going to start doing movies. Carpenter, you know, worked his way up making films, and like guerrilla filmmaking, I think really brings out the tr- the, the true talents because you know this guy's, you know, when you're when you're when you're a real guerrilla filmmaker, you're wearing multiple hats. Sure. And how many hats does this guy have? He's doing, you know, a lot of them do their own editing too. Uh, and in, in this case, doing his own music on top of that. I mean, that that's a multifaceted talent. And, sure. and he he pulls off a film that really still stands on its own today. Um, I mean, as long as you can wrap your head around the idea that cell phones didn't exist for all time, then yeah. we can get back to the real world where, where sometimes you actually could get cut off from nowhere. Well, and, and, and yes, exactly. And really, you know what? Now that I think about it, too, the gang is actually almost the exact same bad guy as the fog because you rarely see them except for shots where they're blowing out of windows or running across the street but but for the most part they are the invisible monster and, and yeah that's that's a theme that that carpenter obviously took well, in what, horror films. well what works about this uh is what really works about this film is that it takes place in a in a real shitty part of town mm-hmm. yeah people live there a few blocks away they're Man, probably love, used to hearing gunshots, so they're not—they're not like calling the cops. No. Well, I just love—I love like the, the the empty lot with nothing in it but a payphone booth. Right. Payphone booth. Booth. I don't even know how to say it anymore. It's been phone, phone booth. booth. Phone booth. Yeah. Payphone booth. Wow. That's a payphone booth thing. I mean, there oh. was a. Uh, how fast cell phones took over. There was a movie in 2002 called Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. And it talks about the last phone booth in New York City. And this is like 20 years ago this movie was made. 
Mm-hmm. That's how fast cell phones took over. Where everybody pretty much had one. Phone booths were pretty much obsolete within probably three, four years' time. Yeah, and, and, and now now filmmakers have to spend five, ten extra minutes writing into the screenplay how the char- why and how the characters can access their cell phone and contact anybody around the world instantaneously. You know, it's a, we got to make sure we show the hand going up or the, I, I don't have any bars. We have to insert this conversation to every fucking horror film now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, technology, for ruining art. Well, I'll tell you what. When we all got lost in the woods... I had a little bit more respect for people in horror films that couldn't get a signal. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just a little bit. That was before smartphones, though, let's be fair. That, that is true. But uh, at I, that I, point I in time, I'm like, I, I get it. I get why they can't make a phone call. Right? I don't even want to talk about it. I'm driving flashback again. <laughs> it's a, it's, it happened right around this time, I, a yeah, couple I, of months I, I, ago. I need to sleep, you know? Let's not bring it up again. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, at the time, Scott was the only one that had GPS on his phone, and it didn't work. No, it worked. It worked. It showed us exactly where we were. It showed a nice map of blank and then a dot right in the center. We were there. Let me tell you, you can't get lost anymore. Like, I have 75 acres behind my house. If I went out there in the middle of the night and got lost and turned on my phone's GPS, all I have to do is click the little man walking and it's a GPS tracker. It would basically right. tell me where to walk to get to the closest road. Thing of the past. Right. Anyway, salt on precinct thirteen. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't think the film's unbelievable either. No, I really you know, don't. He I, really sets a perfect situation for everything to go down. Uh, and uh, as far well, as everything from the phone company having to turn off the electricity and the phones at some point in the night. Even the origin, I like the idea that okay, these two these two gangs are like that are like are gonna have a blood war now because of something that happened that has nothing to do with anything. Here comes some idiot father with with his daughter. She runs off and gets killed by the leader of the gang. Crazy psycho fa- father chases him down in vigilante justice and shoots him, and then runs scared when they all start coming for him. And the closest building is this precinct. I mean, like, it's a perfect setup, really. Yeah. And and having uh, Napoleon, Wilson, and the other two prisoners ending up there uh, with the chief, I mean, again, it, it, it's, it's a nice, perfect storm. Nothing to, it's it, it's not some of these films now where every coincidence is so outlandish. It's like, come on. There's suspension of disbelief, but then there's just this shit. True. And and, and it, it, it's, simp- it's simple writing because you don't need anything more complicated. And Carpenter knew that. You know, it's simp- keep it simple. Very. And you know what? I, li- I like Ethan's character, even though I don't find him to be the, the weakest character. But I liked him. I especially liked when things happen and he just starts laughing because he like, just couldn't believe. It's like, oh, come on. That didn't happen. It's like, fuck, that really happened. Like when, uh, what's his face from Rocky? <laughs> Apollo Creed's trainer. Um, he's in the movie. He gets in a car, hot wires, and it starts driving away. Then the car, you know, crashes, and he was like, "Oh, just a window broke. He got away. It's it's fine." And then he just is like, "Nope." All right. Like, he actually was genuinely laughing. He's like, "Ah, oh, that's fine. It's nothing." And then he's like, "Fuck, that's not nothing." 
here's here's a, a mini rabbit hole I fell down with this film. Uh, Napoleon, yes, ironically, is played by a, an actor named Darwin, which I find just as equally as uh, Darwin. An, an interesting wow. name. Yeah, and Darwin Johnston, who was also in The Fog, and the character he played is Doctor Fibes. What? Oh, really? And it's been so long since I've seen The Fog that I don't remember there being a Dr. Fives, and I'm sure if I watched it now, I, I would I would uh, laugh out loud at there's, that There's one. the Italian poster. Oh. <laughs> blonde woman. There is no blonde woman in the movie. And a cop with sunglasses with a gun holster. And he's white. <laughs> Distretto I mean, 13. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe maybe he was supposed to be the other cop, but that other cop was a, an ancillary character. I don't know. Yeah, I think <laughs> if you translate the title, Joey, does it say white cops good? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, that guy looks like Che Guerrero. Che Guerrero. Guerrero? Che, che-, che- Che Guevara. Che Guevara. Che Guevara. Che Guevara. Yeah. Che. Chimichanga. 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 Delicious. There you go. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's, it's, it's shot gritty. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, a good old fashioned Western gunfight, which is what he intended. A modernized version of. of I mean, he even, uh, he even said the same thing about. He said he said that about a, a bunch of his films that they're basically westerns. He said that mm-hmm. about Escape from New York. He says it's a western. Uh, he said that about this film. It's a western. He he does that. He does that often, where he talks about his movies being westerns. Aren't you going to wish me luck? Good luck. Like they both <laughs> say at the same time. Good luck. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, there, I mean, just, there's. Oh, I mean, thank you for for challenging me to this, Joey. But there's really not much to talk about. No, beyond. and I kind of knew that that was going to be that way. Um, it because again, we like it. It's a good film. Yeah. Uh, it's it's well always done. harder to review films you like because you don't want to try and find things wrong with it because. If you like the film that much, it's like, sure, okay, this shot might have been done a little differently. And it's like, I don't care. I like the way it was shot. I like that it's a flawed shot. You know? I, I like the scene where, where the, the, the gang, two gang members come out and the, the one throws down the, the, the bowl of blood. And then the other one like has the, the sheet with weird with weird symbols drawn on it. Right. I guess in Spanish or something. And like, he puts it on the ground. I, I just... I just would like to cut back to somebody inside. So what the fuck is that? <laughs> what is? I, I I understand why they wanted to remake the film, and the the remake isn't horrible. It's not like the Hitcher remake. No, Hitcher but remake it, is atrociously it tra- bad. It, yeah, but it tries to complicate the characters and try and they pull that whole oh let's let's make sure that this guy's the good guy now. It, it just and. It, it, it lost the charm of this film, and that's that's. I mean, this is a yeah. charming film. Although I, I just, it's just growing on me the the, now that we discovered that Italian poster. Yeah. I, I'm looking at now. It's it, it's it's a it's a film where the lead character is black, and the tagline for Assault on Precinct 13 is a white hot night of hate. 
<laughs> Had to get white in there again? Got to do that again? <sighs> I don't know. It, it's 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 a fun film. Now, uh, this this uh, this film, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, is yeah. seven point four on IMDb uh, because it is a classic and everyone loves it. Yeah, I think it was because uh, I watched this uh, off of my Plex server. I want to mm-hmm. say the Rotten Tomato score is something like ninety eight percent critics oh. and in the ninety percent for the audience score as well. Like this is both scores are in the nineties. Right. Now, with that in mind, though, be as you know, for me, I can't see going higher than a seven. I'm gonna, you have to you have to take the production value into account, and it's it's a good film, but it's not polished. Let's be fair. Some no. Of, some of the acting is not, uh, not even subpar. I uh, not talking not talking about her lead characters. Although no. although the female lead does she does just kind of like stare blankly. Uh, I, I, you know, she, um, what's her face? Uh, she, she reminded me a lot of, um, what the hell's her name? Lori Zimmer? No, the woman from They Live with the icy blue eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She has that kind. Yeah. I can see what you're saying with that. I mean, she's a carpenter favorite. So, Uh and for a second, I was like, oh, because I hadn't seen it in a while. I was like, oh, shit. Is this, because this is like, 10 years earlier than they live i'm like is this just is she just very young in this but it's not it's not her begins she, her- she's she spends half the movie i fucking uh, napoleon so uh yeah there is that yeah what the hell's her name it's um i want to say i'm, not gonna lo- I'm, I'm looking, not looking i'm looking it up i'm not looking up for you you should know uh, I should know, <laughs> but I want to tell you this: her first name begins with an M. Her last name begins with an F. Mancy. Forget about it. Forget about it. Right. Meg so you, Foster. Meg Foster. So do you? Yeah, her her creepy blue eyes. Uh, yeah, it, it bothered me. She's she's also in um, Rutger Hauer's Samurai film. Uh, blind Justice. No. Blind Justice. Yeah. Is it Blind she Justice? In the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Blind. Yeah. Justice, she plays right. the mom. No, not Blind Justice. Blind, blind Fury. Fury. Blind Fury. Blind Justice is, is the one the, with uh, Armand Asante. The the Blind Western. Yes. I love that movie. It's a great film. There's it. It. How has that not been released on Blu-ray in a nice widescreen I, Blu-ray? It's just how. I know. It, it's it's a great little uh, homage to Western. I mean. I don't know. Sometimes it feels cheap to call Western an homage to Westerns, but I mean, sometimes you're just you're you're doing stuff that's been done before, but you're just doing it to do it. And I appreciate that. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, athletes don't play one game and stop after they win. I mean, they they keep True. doing stuff. Of you know, course. you repeat. You you know you 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 add nuance and experience. Um, that's a weird conversation. Basically, what I'm saying is seven. I think seven stars. What do you think? I agree as well. I, yeah. I absolutely would go seven. I think eight is too high. I think the movie would yeah. have to be better on all... Not better. It would have to be made better on all fronts. You know? To be an if, eight. I if, feel if, that once you get into the eights... I mean, you're looking at best pictures. You're looking at you know films that that no one can 
it's like, yeah, that's a great film. There's hardly anything wrong with it. It's like once you get into the eights, you're really heading into you an know, area where it's like you're looking at almost perfection. If if all the ancillary characters didn't act like somebody's bored cousin, <laughs> you know, filling in on set, right. I, I maybe that would be a thing. Maybe if every if, if even like the this like the two cops that show up later in the film and find the the electric guy the phone company guy hanging from the power lines, if they actually were able to act you know, maybe that might get me a little bit closer to eight, but not to be mean. I'm just saying they, no, they, they, no. they, they weren't good. The little girl they, that they, dies is the one from escape to witch mountain. Oh yeah. It's the same great. girl. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't let her play with the bear on this one. No, no, this isn't vanilla twist. <laughs> <laughs> nope. See, the lesson there sometimes just take the fucking vanilla. Yeah. You know, it's like stop. Like, you know, when I go to a restaurant and it's like, you know, I I ordered a side of mashed potatoes, but they brought me, you know, fries instead. I'm like, I'll just eat the fries. I I, I just love that Carpenter makes sure we spend enough time to actually adore her. Right. It's not just not just that she's a kid, but she's one we like. Yeah, she's a cute girl. She's just, you you know. She's uh, smiling, and she's like, they're talking about how they're going to get Nana to go live with them and don't live in this shitty area anymore. It's like that. It's old dialogue there, and then boom, this ain't Vanilla Twist. And I, I, I really do like, too, how, how the father does go on that vigilante rampage, but as soon as he shoots the guy, he just like he just loses. He's like, I, no, no, I'm done. Well, yeah, <laughs> because fuck? it's like he got what he wanted by killing the guy, but he, it's like, <laughs> your little girl ain't coming back. Right, but, I, but even I mean, at the end of the film, when they're wheeling him away, they strap him down into a gurney, and he's just oh yeah. like he's still not talking. He's fucked up for life. He's gonna he's gonna start dressing Nana up like the little girl. <laughs> How much you want to bet? Uh, I'm not eat gonna the take, twist. I'm not gonna eat take the twist. <laughs> it's a vanilla twist, just like you wanted. <laughs> I scream so goddamn important from you, for you. Please take the chains off, sir. <laughs> That time. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway. Well, you know what's funny? Are... There's a... Um, well, well, listen. Uh, the the Italian poster, it's uh, Distretto 13, right? Yeah. On IMDb, there is another... There is another poster where the guy on the cover looks like Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah. I see that. It is, it is Chuck Norris. And why does he have a meat hook? I, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's got a meat hook, he's got a silencer, and he's got a and pair of handcuffs off. on. Like, that's Chuck Norris. Where's the Where is the Chuck Norris? Version remasterizata. Is, is that a good Italian accent, Joey? No. Where's the Chuck Norris? Hey, where's Better? the Chuck? Where's the Chuck? <laughs> hey, Chuck, what's it with the meat hook? Suspense. Uh, now, now, Arona is yon ser ordenado e machinismo potente e perfecto. Is it I? I don't know what any of that says. So, so here's, I got a here's couple the of those deal. Words. I was thinking since we just did a classic, uh huh, that maybe we'll shift right over to another classic. I'm okay with that. Now I want to do a classic that I've never seen before, in its entirety. Hmm. Um. And and. Uh, 
this is one of them. This is one of those ones I'm actually ashamed to say that I haven't seen its entirety at my age, being a movie fan. Okay. Um, so, as far as hints, that's all I'm going to give you, I think. Oh, God. All right, I will, I will tell you that we are going to shift to a different genre uh, film. Uh, and we're, we're shifting to our horror genre. It's horror. Yes. So there's your hint. It's a film I know about. I've just never actually sat down and watched it beginning to end. You yeah. know, like The Godfather. I'm, <laughs> I'm not good at, at guessing films in this decade. <laughs> just not. All right. Well, I'll just tell you then. Uh, the Omen. The original Omen. Oh. Yeah, I've seen that a bunch of times. I, I've, I've seen bits of it a bunch of times. I've read I about actually, it. I actually... I've seen that movie so many times that I rewatched it with with Gerard. He had never seen it. And I rewatched it with him at my house. Or maybe it was his house. I forget. But... All, it was just fun watching it with someone that had never seen it before mm-hmm. because there are so many over-the-top scenes that happen. Um, oh, we're going to have fun talking about this one next Speaking week. Speaking of over-the-top, I know I want to I try to read an excerpt of, um, of uh, Harlan Ellison's review. Of, of The Omen? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had, he he really had a he had a huge problem against like uh, violence against women in film and and just violence in film in general. Uh-huh. He was a real uh, I mean, what's the word pussy. Um, <laughs> so it's like his review of it. There's like it's just I uh, just like loses his mind. I love it. Can't wait. Oh yeah, and if we ever review Outland, there's a fucking review. That's uh, Sean Connery, right? Yeah. 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 That's one that's like supposed to be. Oh, it's like space. It's like uh, it's science fiction, not fantasy. It's all rooted. He tears that shit apart, like like twenty different points of how like everything about the film is just totally wrong. <laughs> it's so angry. Oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen Outland. Really? Oh, um, I forget I mean, which year it is. I don't know if we passed it or I not. I believe that is early '80s, like '81 or something. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I remember when it came out. Uh, Eighty-one. You are correct, man. Yeah. You're you're good with the the. Yeah, so w- when we hit that, that's that's going to be a Harlan Ellison uh, um, episode. <laughs> good old good old Harlan. Good old Harlan. All right, let's end it. All right. Ah, let's get that ending music going. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us again for yet another episode of Movie Sucktastic. Go to our website at moviesucktastic.com. Listen or download the show there. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviesucktastic. You can also go to iTunes and you can listen or download the show there as well. You can leave us email. The address is themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. You can leave us voicemail at 908-514-4470. You can download the podcast app for your Android device. Go to moviesucktastic.com slash mst.apk or download your favorite podcast app just do a search for movie sucktastic and just that's it we come up everywhere do you have any words of wisdom mr wilson sir you run this podcast like chicken night and turkey thanks a lot (laughs) you're welcome okay when he says that in the film he's like thanks a lot and i'm like 
Hmm. I don't know if he was entirely... He was being sarcastic, Joe. It wasn't the best sarcasm. Didn't come no, across that great. That's why it's seven stars instead of eight. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.